I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I know we all experience that afternoon slump. But sometimes we don't want to have caffeine too late in the day. So this is when I drink Noon Brew Tea. It's so good. It's specifically designed for the afternoon to bust you out of that slump. It has 19 superfoods that help with energy, digestion, focus, and even deep sleep. It does all of this without the coffee jitters. So use the code OUTLIER for 10% off your first order. Head to noonbrew.co and remember, use the code OUTLIER. Welcome to the Outlier Podcast. I'm Lauren Conlin. All right, so I'm going to discuss a crazy case that's become totally sensationalized in the New England area. It's causing rifts between friends and family locally because people are taking sides. It's the tragic and possibly mysterious death of Boston police officer John O'Keefe. Now, I was very surprised that I hadn't heard of this case. I mean, I'm located in New York City, but I did grow up in New Hampshire. I still have many ties there. And that's about 40 minutes from Massachusetts, which is where everything in the John O'Keefe murder takes place, Canton, Mass, to be specific. So one of my friends from high school, he actually texted me and was like, oh my gosh, what do you think of John O'Keefe and Karen Reed? What do you think of this case? It's so insane. What's your take? And I was like, what? I, I haven't heard of this. And then I went down the rabbit hole and the rabbit hole is intense. There, there is a lot here. So before I get into the details of the Karen Reed, John O'Keefe case, I know the first few episodes I brought up the Grant Solomon case and my other podcast, Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon? And, and I've said about that case, that case has so many layers and so many moving pieces 
pieces. And it does, but I know that case like the back of my hand. I mean, I know it so well. Well, the Reed O'Keefe case is very similar to Grant Solomon because it's super complicated at times and a bit confusing at times because of all of the names and the people involved and half of the people are law enforcement. So I am I am still learning. So just be patient with me um, when it comes to this case, the Reed O'Keefe case, as some of the details are not consistent on some of the sources I'm using. So like I said, just be patient with me. But uh, there's another similarity between this and, and Grant's story. Uh, nobody else would seem to cover Grant's story, the Solomon case out of Franklin, Tennessee. And I was just, gosh, fascinated with it. So I wanted to cover it. I wanted to help this family. And I was very aggressive in my coverage and getting all of the known information out to the public. And I also made it very public uh, where I stood with this case and sort of which side I was on as an editorial journalist. So the same can be said, and then some, for uh, the Reed O'Keefe case through a journalist named Aiden Carney of Turtle Boy News. And when I say the same can be said, and then some, I mean, this guy, his coverage is is so amazing. It's so intense. Um, he's very fearless. And I'll get into that in a little bit, but... But Aiden Carney is actually in jail right now, uh, the editor of Turtle Boy News, who has essentially made the Karen Reed-John O'Keefe case his main story. He calls it the Canton cover-up. So I got to say, I am nowhere nearly as aggressive as this guy, and he is definitely responsible as to why this case is getting so much attention. And I will get into his whole deal in a little bit. But after I give you a high-level version of the Reed O'Keefe story, I'm going to bring in Barry McGuire. So Barry is an ex-Boston police officer. He is currently a private investigator, and he's the host of the Boston Confidential podcast. So he's been doing some coverage on this case for the last 10 months or so. He lives in the Boston area. He has a good temperature of what the people are feeling like right now. And he's actually uh, interviewed Aiden Carney as well. So we have an open discussion about everything. So that will be coming up in a little bit. So let me give you my take on what happened that night based on what I've read. Gosh, varying documents from news articles to Turtle Boy's actual documentation that he got from the defense. So yeah, I put a lot of the source notes in the episode notes of this podcast, but again, this is my take to the best of my ability that I have researched. Okay. Karen Reed of Mansfield, Massachusetts. She's a 43-year-old, very successful equity analyst and adjunct professor at Bentley College. She's got long brown hair and looks very professional, and she's very cute in my opinion. She is very Boston, if that makes sense to anyone. Like, she just, she looks tough. And I personally think Boston girls are a breed. I mean, they can make wearing a hoodie 
and carrying a 30 rack of Keystone Light beers down the street in 15 degree weather, an actual art form. And they do. They are just tough like that. So that is sort of what Karen embodies to me in a professional manner, if that makes sense. And then there's John O'Keefe, who was 47 years old, originally from Braintree, Mass. He lived in Canton, and he was a 16-year veteran of the Boston Police Department. He had his master's in criminal justice from UMass, and he was so handsome. He was very rugged, blue eyes. He had a very neat beard, dirty blonde hair, and he was said to be just so kind and a dedicated family man. He didn't have children of his own, but his sister, Kristen, tragically passed away in 2013, and then her husband passed away a year later, surprisingly, and John O'Keefe stepped up and took custody of their children, his niece and nephew, who I believe at the time of his death, his niece was only 14. I'm not certain the age of his nephew, but yeah, like so tragic. And just as a side note, I included a GoFundMe for them in the episode notes because I mean, wow, that is a lot of loss for for two teens, their parents and then their uncle, their caregiver. So um, check out that GoFundMe if you want to donate. So Karen Reed and John O'Keefe, they had been dating for about two years or so, and Karen helped John take care of his niece and nephew. They seemed to have a great relationship on paper, to my knowledge. They didn't own anything together. They weren't married. They technically didn't live together. Karen had her own house in Mansfield, but she stayed at John's a lot to help take care of the kids. So they were seriously dating and they appeared to love each other. So the night of January 29th, 2022, it's cold and it's snowy. And it's a Friday night, and that that sounds cliche, but Karen and John are bar hopping in Canton, Mass. So, I mean, if you if you know Massachusetts people and you know New England people, you'll know that a little snow doesn't stop anybody, especially if they want to go out and have a few drinks. So they're bar hopping in Canton, and Canton is a really nice Boston suburb, uh, and they are they're on the main main strip of Canton. So they get to the second bar of the night around 11 PM. It's called the waterfall and they go inside the bar and they meet up with some friends. So they meet up with John O'Keefe's neighbor, Chris Albert, who was a town selectman, very well respected in, in the area. And Chris's brother, Brian Albert, who was a Boston cop and also just happened to be a trained MMA fighter. That's a very well-known fact about Brian Albert. And then Brian's sister-in-law was there, Jennifer McCabe, who was said to be pretty tight with John O'Keefe, had known him for a while. So the entire group was said to be drinking pretty heavily and having a good time. And I mean, I believe it. Have you ever drank with your Irish Boston friends? Yeah, they like to have a good time. So John was drinking beers and Karen was drinking vodka sodas. And the amount of vodka sodas that Karen had that night has been disputed, but the number is allegedly between four and nine drinks, which is a large difference, I know, but I do feel the need to share that. So uh, around midnight, the bar is closing up, but Brian Albert... 
Albert says, let's, let's go back to my house. Let's have some drinks there. So Brian and Jennifer and Chris leave to get in their respective cars and Karen and John say, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll head over for a little bit. So, uh, John and Karen head into Karen's black Lexus and they are headed to Brian's house at 34 Fairview road in Canton, which is said to be close enough to the bar. Now, this is where things get a little hairy for me. Some reports say that Karen and John were fighting and she's like, I'm not going. And then she just dropped him off at 34 Fairview. Other reports say that she got a little bit lost. And so she went too far, then had to turn back around and then just decided, okay, I don't want to go. I don't feel good. I'm tired. It's cold. Regardless, she drops John off at 34 Fairview for this after party. And, you know, anyone who's married or in a a serious relationship, you know that that happens sometimes. I mean, the girlfriend or the wife wants to go home and go to bed and the husbands or boyfriends have FOMO and they want to go to the party. So I guess it's not that crazy to me that John went alone. So Karen drops him off and heads back to John O'Keefe's house in Canton and allegedly passes out with her clothes on on the couch, and she wakes up at 4.30 a.m., and she realizes she's on the couch. She goes to call for John. He doesn't answer. She looks in the bedroom, and she looks everywhere in the house, and and he's not there. So apparently John's 14-year-old niece was sleeping upstairs, and his nephew was at a sleepover, just to give you an idea of what was going on at the house. So Karen calls John's phone. He doesn't answer. And at this point, it's it's really snowing out, and it's dark out. It's about 4.30, 5 a.m., and let's say Karen's had four hours of probably drunk sleep. Um, So she might not be thinking clearly. So she wants to call Jennifer McCabe, John's friend who was at the after party at the bar with them, but she doesn't have Jen's number. So she wakes up her 14-year-old niece at like 4.45 a.m. to get Jennifer's number because the niece is apparently friends with Jennifer McCabe's daughter. So she does have Jennifer's number. She gives it to Karen and Karen calls Jen and Jen answers right away and says, no, no, I, I haven't, I haven't seen him. I don't know where he is, but I'll call Chris Albert to see if John passed out there. Now, remember Chris Albert only lives a few doors down from John O'Keefe, but Jen calls the Alberts and says, to Karen, nope, he's not there either. So by 5.30 a.m., it's below 20 degrees, still dark, and Karen and Jennifer McCabe and Chris Albert's wife all meet at the O'Keefe house and get into Chris Albert's wife's car and start driving to look for John. So just as a side note, I don't know if I was Jennifer McCabe or Chris Albert's wife, uh, if I would jump out of bed at 5.30 a.m. to go find someone after a night of drinking. I mean, I don't know if I would have answered the phone at 4.30 a.m. right away when Karen called me. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Like, Jennifer McCabe and Karen Reed didn't even have each other's cell phone numbers, and yet Jennifer McCabe is dropping everything to go and help her. But anyway... 
They're in the car and Karen Reed is visibly upset. She really is upset that John is missing. He didn't come home. So they're out looking for him. They drive back to 34 Fairview and there they spot John O'Keefe's body lying face down in the snow by the driveway. So Karen jumps out. She allegedly spotted John's body first and the other women follow. And she is just beside herself screaming. His body is freezing. It is it is so cold. She flips him over. I mean, and the state of John is just horrifying. I mean, he has black eyes, swollen, blood all around his nose, his mouth, bite or, or scratch marks all over his arm. I mean, he had a shoe missing. His hat was missing, and Karen starts to administer CPR, and they call 911 at the same time while trying to warm him up. So Karen is a mess. She is screaming, and she's crying during all of this, and the first responders arrive, and they claim it's hectic, and they're just like, what happened? What happened? And the first responders on the scene claim that Karen Reed in a daze or in a state is like, I must have hit him. Did I hit him? I hit him, question mark. Now, where that came from, Karen Reed all of a sudden saying, I must have hit him, I'm not sure. But they take John to a hospital in Brockton, and sadly, he is pronounced dead at 7.50 a.m. He had two black eyes, a laceration to the back of the head, cuts and abrasions all over his body and his arm, skull fractures, a cut over his eye and on his nose, and hypothermia played a big part of what caused his death. So Karen Reed is just devastated and apparently spends the next three days at her parents' house really wondering what happened to her boyfriend and and trying to to mourn this and she lawyered up right after this i i don't know the details maybe she's remembering what she said to first responders and also the fact that Jennifer McCabe and Chris Albert's wife had told police at this point Karen Reed was very, very drunk that night, and she allegedly said to them in the car when they were out looking for John, oh, I wonder if maybe he got hit by a snowplow. And again, they said, yeah, she seemed to still be drunk. And I'm scratching my head like, okay, well, you guys probably would be drunk too, especially you, Jennifer McCabe, because you were drinking just as much as she was and seemed to sleep as as little as she did. But um, additionally... Karen Reed also had a cracked taillight in that black Lexus. So I don't know how that got there, but she did. She had a cracked taillight. So a few days later, state trooper Michael Proctor, who appears to be the lead detective on Michael O'Keefe's death, came to ask Karen a few questions. And she answered them. And then on February 2nd, 2022, she was actually arrested for manslaughter. So this theory, and I don't know if this is necessarily called a theory because this is what she was arrested on, uh, is that she was so drunk that she dropped him off at 34 Fairview and did a three-point turn after he got out of the car and backed into him by accident killing him, but didn't even know and just drove off because she was so drunk. 
So uh, she spent the night in jail. And I mean, she is just again, beside herself. Her immediate plea at the arraignment and in court was not guilty. And I think at at this point, she really believed that she might have done this. Like, I know that we've all been in those situations where we're like, I don't think we did that, but like, did I do it? And so that's, I think, I think where she was at. So this is where the case starts to get complicated. Now, The day of Karen's arraignment, a tip comes through to her attorney's office, and it says something along the lines of this, this tip, this message from somebody. They say this, your client is innocent. John O'Keefe was beaten up by Brian Albert and his nephew. They broke his nose. And when O'Keefe didn't come to, Brian and a federal agent dumped his body on the front lawn. Uh, I'm sorry, what? Brian Albert's nephew? A federal agent? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, I have not even gotten into some of the other people that were at this party who are quote-unquote witnesses as to what could have possibly happened to John. But yeah, I, I will get into that. But a large part of why Karen was implicated is that according to these party witnesses, John O'Keefe never made it inside the house. Hence why Karen Reed hitting him with her car after dropping him off at 1230 or whatever it was, was the story. That's what happened. And so police... They didn't even feel the need to go into Brian Albert's house to look around or anything like that. Because listen, Brian Albert, I mean, he's a police officer. He said to Michael Proctor, the lead detective, no, John O'Keefe never made it in the house. So let's back up here and just give you some names of the other people at the party. And this is just some, this is not all. So... Again, they spoke to State Trooper Proctor, and they said, yep, John O'Keefe never came in. You have Chris Albert, town alderman. We already discussed that. Brian Albert, Boston police. Jennifer McCabe, Brian's sister-in-law. Already discussed all those people. Well, then you also have Colin Albert, Brian Albert's nephew, or Chris Albert's son, who again lives a few doors down from John O'Keefe. It's been said, to my knowledge, this is from Karen, Colin Albert and John Albert did not get along. They would get into neighbor type of arguments where John didn't want Colin on his property and Colin would give John's ring cam the middle finger and drink beers on his lawn just to piss him off and throw the cans there. So my guess is that when John was showing up to this party, he had no idea that Colin Albert would be there or else maybe he wouldn't have gone inside. That's my thinking. So then, and lastly for now, you have someone named Brian Higgins inside who is an ATF agent. So that is a crew with some connections if I ever saw one. Okay, let's pivot back to Turtle Boy News' Aiden Carney. He gets wind of this case, and he begins some heavy coverage on tbnewsdaily.com and through his YouTube channel. And he's like, 
wait a minute, this is so obviously a setup and the police aren't even doing their job and in investigating anything else except this one theory that Karen Reed hit him. So he starts really digging into things. He starts getting documentation like John's autopsy report and even pictures of John's body. You can find that on TV News Daily. And he is like, wait a minute, why are there bite and scratch marks all over John's arm? This doesn't match being hit with a car. Well, it turns out Brian Albert did have a German Shepherd dog. So these bite marks could potentially match a dog bite. So wait, wouldn't that mean that John O'Keefe did go into the house after all, if he's got these dog bites on him? And and keep in mind, this theory about the cover-up, the cop cover-up, it's emerging months after John's death because police didn't do any further digging after they spoke to these witnesses. And apparently they spoke to Uh, these witnesses, Jennifer McCabe and Brian and Chris Albert, later that night at like a family meeting for John O'Keefe and and what what happened to him. They had like an informal family meeting somewhere. So that's pretty unprofessional uh, to me. But in addition to that, Aiden Carney and Karen Reed uh, collaborated, I guess, and, and started texting and working together on finding some things uh, so she could really escalate her her defense here. And she found, Karen found a photo of Trooper Michael Proctor, lead investigator on the case, with Brian Albert's kids at a wedding somewhere on Facebook. So that right there is a huge conflict of interest. I mean, if he is working this case, if he volunteered to work this case, and he knows the Albert family, that, that should not be allowed. So Turtle Boy also hones in on the fact that John's body, in addition to the dog bites, it really looks like he was beat up. It matches that of someone who got their ass kicked, not was hit by a car. So <laughs> I I tend to agree with that. I mean, I guess somebody could have possibly taken his shoe off to make it look like, oh yeah, he went flying. And, uh, and I'll get into some, some other things later about the cuts on his arm and, and what the, uh, what they are saying, the prosecution is saying that is from, but anyway, huge, huge, huge thing that Aiden Carney did that turtle boy did was he contacted the guy that plowed the snow on the street that night and drove by Fairview road. Now this is huge. This witness again, who was contacted by turtle boy and not the police said, wait, no, I never saw a body there between the hours of 1230 AM and two thirty AM. I mean, That right there is pretty weird. If he's going up and down the street multiple times, he's got these huge heavy-duty headlights, and he's plowing the driveways, wouldn't he see a body there if it was hit around 1230 a.m.? No. This guy, Lucky Lawferin, that's his name, he was very adamant on the fact that he did not see a body. So... This just seems sloppy that the police never contacted this guy, Lucky, uh, to be a witness in the first place. So, yes, at this point, uh, and when I say this point, I mean that point in the investigation, which is about a year ago, Karen is being charged with 
manslaughter. So her defense team starts going pretty hard and they find some other suspicious things. And by the way, when I said at that time a year ago, she is being charged with manslaughter, I got to tell you, I was going to wait to say this, but now as of June, 2023, they upped her charge to murder and it's very confusing. I have no idea why they would up this charge to murder, especially if I mean, even if she did hit him with the car by accident, there was no criminal intent. It was it was a total accident. But yeah, so now she's being charged with murder. But anyway, they the defense kicks it up a notch and they find some suspicious things, like the fact that Brian Albert got rid of the German Shepherd after that night. Yeah, weird. No one knows where this dog is. He just doesn't have it anymore. And then Brian Albert ended up selling the house at 34 Fairview for under the asking price. I mean, that is a little weird. Could it be a coincidence? Absolutely. But uh, it seems weird to me. And yeah, police never took a look inside that house. They never went in with a blue light to possibly check for blood investigating on the tip they received. And um, yeah, that's pretty concerning. But possibly the biggest red flag and what really, really knocked their case against Karen on, on the ass was when Jennifer McCabe voluntarily turned over her cell phone, there was a search they found on Google at 2.27 a.m. And that search said, how long to die in the cold? Now, she was obviously drunk or drinking, so she misspelled the word how. She wrote H-O-S. So that seems pretty damning to me. But let's get to Turtle Boy's speculation, and that also piggybacks off of the tip that Karen's lawyers got. And let me just tell you, Turtle Boy is insane. He's nuts, but he backs everything up with facts and documents on his site, and he hasn't been wrong yet. So he emerged with this theory that Colin Albert started something with John O'Keefe when when he walked in. They have that neighbor bad blood, and maybe they got in a physical altercation, and Brian Albert saw, and he's like, hey, you know, maybe you're not going to hit my nephew. And he jumped in and started beating... John O'Keefe up and and then the dog jumped in and and perhaps bit him on the arm. And yeah, when when John didn't wake up, they dragged him outside, dumped his body outside, had Jennifer Google how long it would take to die in the colds, and then planned to frame Karen, possibly even going as far as planting pieces of her taillight on the scene, which investigators did did find. They found pieces of her taillight in the snow. So when Jennifer McCabe shows up with Karen that morning when they are looking for John's body for the first time, perhaps she put it in Karen's head and she was possibly whispering in Karen's ear, oh, what if you hit him? What if you hit him? Which is why Karen was in disbelief saying, oh, I hit him, I hit him. 
So yeah, and and almost a year later, there was evidence released from a private investigator, I believe, that John's phone and Apple Watch showed him going up and down a flight of stairs twice after 12:30. So, and that's just that's just some of the new evidence that was that was recently uncovered. So, there's a lot more. I'm going to do a part 2 because there is just so much to fully cover here. But going back again to Turtle Boy. So, something really important to note is that Turtle Boy is literally in jail right now. He had an ex-girlfriend charge him with assault and battery. And then he was also charged uh, with witness tampering, specifically on the Karen Reed case. And and this is where I, I have a tough time. So, um, well, I, I will get back to the assault and battery charge because something major happened uh, on Wednesday night. So yeah, and that was Wednesday, January 17th, something major happened. But um, yeah, so he is in jail for witness tampering. I mean, I mean, he is putting out great work, right? Like he is doing great journalism. He's crazy, but he's also showing up to Jennifer McCabe's kids sports games and harassing her on camera, which has incited harassment uh, of her from others, so to speak. So um, yeah, that that is, I don't know, that doesn't sit well with me only because even though I believe that she had a sinister part in this, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. So that that is everyone. That is the um, McCabe's, the Alberts, and Karen Reed. So um, yeah, but let me let me say again, I I do I do believe that there is some kind of cover up or corruption going on, uh, and that is also because on Wednesday, January seventeenth, Turtle Boy went live, and there was a hearing for his assault and battery case where this woman comes forward and says she made it up and that the police put her up to it. So this, if this is actually true then the police are literally going well out of their way to silence Turtle Boy from speaking truth. And this case is a lot more corrupt uh, than we originally thought it was. So anyway, let's get to Barry McGuire, who lives in the area, and he's been covering the case on his show, Boston Confidential. Um, He is a private investigator. He was not a cop. I misspoke before, but he is a very skilled private investigator. And we may discuss some things that are new to you because they are also new to me, but you will catch on quickly. And like I said, I will do a follow-up to this, a part two, to get into some additional detail. So after this quick break, I will play my interview with Barry McGuire. I drink a lot of caffeine, so there are times when I'm a bit jittery and I need to relax. My favorite potent CBD is Next Evo. Head to the link in the episode notes to order yours with my special discounts because like I said, this CBD is good, it's potent, and it's clinically proven to help with stress and relaxation. Next Evo. You definitely need these. Okay, guys, as promised, I am here with Barry McGuire, host of Boston Confidential. Barry, thank you so much for joining me to discuss this crazy, wacky case. You're very welcome, Lauren. I'm looking forward to it, really. 
Yeah, no, me too. Um, as I mentioned, my friend from high school turned me on to your show and I've been catching up on your episodes and your coverage of the case and also trying to uh, dig in with Turtle Boy and, and his posts. And again, I, I am not fully caught up, I feel like, because there's so much. So just forgive me if there's something I don't know. Um, or I'm not aware of, but there are certain things I, I do want to ask your opinion on. Um, before we start, are you aware uh, of the live stream that Turtle Boy put out last night? No, no, I was out last night. I've, I've heard some things about it. I, wh- yeah. What was the genesis of it? Well, essentially, uh, Gaetano or Gait- is that her name? Gaitani, the the last yeah. name of the yeah the the woman that um, that accused him of assault and battery claims that she actually made it up and she was uh, put up to it by the police. So yeah, that that is something. <laughs> wow, I guess I have to stop going to bed at nine o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if if that is the case, um, and, and that is actually true, then this is even bigger, I think, than we thought, uh, because they are tr- they are trying to silence him a hundred percent. Right. There's, you know, to use the word corruption, I thought originally was a leap. I don't think that anymore. I thought crappy investigation, you know, most definitely. Mm-hmm. But now I'm seeing things in a different light and more like Turtle Boy, really. He's called this from the beginning. He really has. Yeah. And I mean, you you were a police officer. I mean, I don't for how long were you uh, a police officer? A private investigator. Private investigator. Okay. Yeah, so private. okay. So I mean, in your experience, I mean, something huge to me was like the fact that the police never went inside the house. So it's like someone someone is dead on your front lawn and you don't go inside the house to maybe look around, do some forensic tests. I mean, nothing. That that right there alone is bad police work. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Right. And don't forget, this was a Boston police officer's house where this party took place. Yeah. The Boston police officer didn't even exit when there's emergency vehicles, cops in a dead body on the front lawn, Lauren. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and when the state police came in to do interviews, they didn't they didn't search that home. Mm. They conducted the interviews 
as a group and investigations 101, everybody knows you're supposed to separate witnesses. Mm-hmm. And and they didn't do it that. It was just a mess, a mess from that point forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I read that they didn't actually speak to them technically as witnesses. They uh, they had some kind of family meeting later that night with the cops to to update everybody on what happened. And that's when they got everybody's story. Jennifer McCabe's Colin Alberts and, and, and whoever else was there. Uh, there was another name, Nagel. You might have to explain the Nagel thing to me because I'm a little confused at that where it's like someone needed to pick up their sister and then he turned around and... And he saw right. them. Yeah, this is this is where I, that starts to get a little confusing to me, um, because for for people listening, what people have also been arguing about is is the timeline of when Karen dropped John off. And, you know, I mentioned Lucky Loughran and and how he said, I didn't see a body there. And and this witness, Nagel, says that he he saw them. Um, but he saw her driving, what, alone or something? I don't know the... Right. Uh, the story with Ryan Nagel, he was there to pick up his sister at, who was at this party at uh, Fairview. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he pulls in and he sees Karen Reed's vehicle with the dome light on. There was one person... Uh, this is the Commonwealth's witness, Ryan Nagel, there was one person in the vehicle, again, with the dome light on, so he could see the entire cab of the SUV. And Karen Reed was the only occupant. Okay. Okay. And if O'Keefe got into the house, Karen Reed is innocent because she couldn't have hit him, right? Of course, of course. Right, of right. course. So, but what, so what is the point of that witness then? I don't understand. She, was it the, the time that he saw her alone? Is that what it was? Because I'm like, cool. He saw her driving alone. She drops him off. She leaves. What's, what is there to be a witness of, I guess? Like, what am I missing? Right. Well, it actually, tur- he turns out to be more of a defense witness. I don't know why. I guess they interviewed yeah. him, so they had to include it in the report. But okay. his testimony says she was alone in the vehicle. Another witness, Jen McCabe, and her husband say that John never went into the house. They arrived at the home, but left before entering. That is contradictory to what Ryan Nagel says. Okay, so Jennifer McCabe never went into the party, she was saying. Yeah. Okay. Jen is a, a, another witness in the case. And she said that neither Karen Reed or John O'Keefe went into the residence at Fairview at all. So what the prosecution is saying is that O'Keefe never made it into the house. And at some point, Karen Reed backs the vehicle up and hits John in the road leaving him on the lawn. Yes. Sorry. I, I knew all that. And yes, I, I was like confused for a minute. Cause I'm like, no, I thought McCabe and her husband were inside. Hence why her text, right. how long to die in cold. Um, right. So gosh, I mean that, that text right there, it sends chills down right. my spine. That happened at two twenty seven AM. The first one, yeah. mm-hmm. there's, there's two texts uh, in that same vein. 
they had been drinking and she misspelled how long to die in the cold. Right. And that was at 2.27 a.m. when she had said she thought John was home because he never came into the party. Mm. Yes. Right? Yes. So if that's the case, whom was she talking about? Whom was she speaking? Who did she want to know was dying in the cold? I, yeah, I, I've, I've made up my mind about that, uh, that whole thing. I mean, I, I personally think that Brian, whoever, uh, was there, I think they were a little bit cocky in, in the fact that they are police officers and whatever is going to happen here, they, it would be in their control. So nobody would ever find out about this Google search. They were probably telling her this and saying, don't worry about it. It's, we got this under control. Just Google it. So we know. Um, right. Yeah. That's, that's my, my take, but you know, I want to ask you because this has not been, I feel like no one's brought it up, but just the simple fact that these women were drinking for hours upon hours upon hours, right? They're drunk. They get home at 1230. Um, you know, it seems like they all slept maybe three or four hours and that's, that's drunk sleep, which we all know is not good sleep. It's very terrible sleep. And you do wake up disoriented. Um, if, if you wake up at all after four hours. So my whole thing is like, why did Jennifer answer her phone at four 30? And why did she jump out of bed to go look for a grown man? Um, that was not her husband. Not, I mean, the fact that Karen, and Jen didn't even have each other's numbers. And she just was so willing to go help her. And, and, you know, she's got a family. She's got kids. I mean, I, sorry, I'm not jumping out of bed at 4.30 in the winter to go look for somebody. Right. It's, it's a strange case. I've never seen anything like it. And Jen McCabe, I believe if this goes to trial, she may have to take the fifth amendment mm. because I, I, one way or another, she'd have to perjure herself. Or in the 2.27 a.m. inquiry with Google, how long to die in the cold, was repeated again later in the morning. Mm. And the defense's theory is that was an attempt to override the first one. Yes. Because now there is somebody dying on the lawn, right? Or could be dying on the lawn. Okay, so that was her way of maybe saying, oh, no, I Googled it because Karen asked me to Google it or something, you know, because we found him and we wanted to know how long. Yeah, I think that's bullshit. Um, And I don't know, I I sent you TikTok, but you don't have TikTok, but I wanted you to look into um, this guy that actually Turtle Boy has done some TikTok lives with. His handle is Boundless Millennial, but he is totally like team Karen did it. He believes Karen totally did it, but he has said that in terms of John's Apple watch or phone, um, showing that he's going up and down a set of stairs twice, this guy, this boundless millennial guy says, no, this is Apple does this. If you even go up a hill. So he was saying that Karen and John drove up a hill and down a hill and then up a hill again because she got lost on the way to the party. So what do you say to that? I'd say Karen knows the area. I I believe that's nonsensical. And the 
the Fitbit or the Apple, you know, version of it is accepted as evidence. And it's actually in another case, the trooper is investigating. Michael Proctor is investigating and it's been admitted as evidence in that case. I do believe they're accurate. I believe they're super accurate and it gives credence to the defense theory completely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm very big on my Apple watch and my steps and my phone, my health tracker. And I personally have never seen, um, I've never seen it show me driving up a hill as going up a a set of stairs. Um, this guy says the data supports it though. The Apple, um, the Apple data does support that. So, I mean, I, I don't know what to think there. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to test myself right now because I don't live in New York City. I don't have a car handy right next to me. So uh, to do this, but I I am very much into doing these tests to prove theories and and to disprove theories because it's really interesting um, that you can actually disprove technology here. Uh, It's, you know, I mean, we're going to be here for a while. I think the tracker actually shows uh, John going up and down stairs multiple times. Yeah. And I just don't believe it's not a super hilly area. And I right. just, I just don't buy it. Why is it accepted in one case and not in another? Right. Yeah, no, uh, agreed. I agree. Um, and now this, this theory that Paul and Albert and, uh, John O'Keefe had beef. I told you I've, I have friends in Canton and, you know, my, my friend said, oh, you know, I know their neighbor. Let me ask if this is actually true. And I'm like, yeah, I want to know if this is true because they're saying, oh, no, there was no beef. Karen basically made this up. This is like a non a non issue. So, um, you know, I think it would be interesting to to see if anyone supports that theory that they really didn't like each other. I, I think it's pretty well established. I think at one point, the Colin Albert and his family, John went on vacation and the, it was, I thought it was good natured rivalry. They took uh, pictures of themselves drinking like on his lawn or throwing cans yeah. over. And that's the type of neighbor dispute it was. But it's reported that Colin is a hothead. And that was the genesis of this beef is like beer cans and stuff like that on John O'Keefe's property. Has it ever been verified to the point where I say it's 100 percent accurate? No, but it kind of fits with the theory, I think. Yeah, it it definitely does, except I guess what I I do have a a hard time with is is if. You know, they let's say they beat him. They and, and he's he's out cold. Uh, generally, he is going to wake up at, at some point um, from this 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 coma of getting a, a beat down. And I I don't know. Like, was was their intention to just drag him outside, leave him in the cold, and wait for some? You know what I mean? Wait for someone to get him and and for John to wake up and say, right. I don't know how I got here. I just somebody must've kicked my ass. I just don't remember who, or was it, did they mean for him to die out there? Like Jennifer Googled because why why would they want him? You know what I mean? Like, why would they kill him? Why would they make this? Right. Especially since there was a nurse in the house at the time. 
Oh, I don't. So know if he had, if that. he had fallen down, if he had fallen down, there's a nurse who is reportedly in the house at Fairview. Her name is Sarah Levinson. Okay. Why didn't she treat him? I don't. You know, none of this has been explained. Colin Albert, do you know when he was interviewed by the Massachusetts State Police? No, never. <gasps> Get out. Never. At least not for a year. At least not for a year after this. I don't know since the since Turtle Boy exposed this case. Yeah. Up until that point, he hadn't even been interviewed at all, and it's it blows my mind. This, yeah, I'm just I'm having a really hard a hard time with this, uh, you know, and the fact that they upgraded Karen's charge from manslaughter to murder as of June is is even more of a head scratcher and and i'm thinking okay right. is that is that because they're gonna say she was so drunk that that's why it was a criminal act because she but they didn't they don't have proof that she was you know they didn't breathalyze her obviously they right. had, uh but it just goes back to both theories are mind-blowing because why would either of these this this woman or these people want him dead you know what what I have on that is is speculation, but they wanted uh, Karen to take a quick plea deal, right? Yeah. So now you're facing. I think what she, the ultimate penalty she could face now is life in in prison, mm. and they wanted her to take a lower plea, and they probably would have gave her two years or so, and that spurs you to you know, okay, I've got to take care of this. And when she didn't, I think they panicked. Also, I think yeah. upgrading the charges had to do with text messages between Karen and John O'Keefe, where, you know, the boyfriend doesn't come home right away. And I was the ask wife you. or girlfriend is. So you know. what so what was that? So I again, there's so many uh articles out there that give you different information and so i was that was on my list to ask you did she call him over 50 times that night and and hate text him and if so what i guess what kind of person would i guess they're saying she didn't know she hit him and because i'm like i i feel like yeah if she clearly was that drunk if she didn't you know she hits him and then she's like why isn't he coming home you know it's just it's weird i don't believe right. that i i don't right and they say this this relationship between the two of them was a bit contentious it may have been coming to an end and hence the text you know and what did the text say exactly? I don't think I know. That's all common Commonwealth evidence, and I don't think it's been released yet, at least not to the public. It's been released to the defense, but not to us. Okay, so it's something along the lines of her hate texting him because he's not coming home, and this timeline right. would be after, you know, 1230, I guess. Right, so. and I think that had something to do with upgrading the charges, the hate texting and all that. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, that's, you know, that's crazy. First of all, like she's a Boston girl. That's number one. Like, what do you think that Boston girls are, are chill and demure and like, I'm right. sorry. Like, what do you, you know what I mean? Like it's right. I don't think that that's a reason to up a charge. Seems a little circumstantial, right. but yeah. Right. I know this is a crazy case.
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you, you don't know anything other about their relationship other than just these texts, because, um, I think that, yeah, that's, that's kind of a big deal. And then do you know anything about, um, her taillight possibly being planted and who could have done that and cracked? Yeah. So one of these things that really stick out to me, and I said it on my podcast, it, it, it comes out to me like a lighthouse, There's videotape of Karen leaving John's house in her SUV Mm. and it's snowing in the morning. It's still dark out. Yeah. She backs out and nudges his SUV. You can see his, his vehicle move a little bit. Okay. And then she does a three point turn and you can clearly see the taillight is almost fully intact. And okay. so, Lauren, if I see that taillight fully intact on that video, yeah. right? Yeah. How is the taillight on the lawn? Yeah, that this is what this is just what what is mind blowing to me because it. I don't think that this murder of John on either side was uh, planned. I don't think it was. Um, I don't think it was calculated by any means. Right. So it's like, how did they get it? to the scene of where he died. So, you know what I mean? Like that, that's a, that's strategic. Like that's right. Yeah. Right. That's what sticks out to me. If I can, if I can see it, you know, at that time in the morning, it was still dark out, Mm -hmm. but you can see it. The tail light is almost fully intact, but the prosecutors want you to believe it's broken in pieces at before that on the lawn. It just, it's either one or the other. I mean, I, are you saying that you don't think they actually picked up pieces of her taillight from the lawn? You think they just, because they can't I just don't, say that. I'm saying, I don't think it was there at that time. I oh, think okay. that light was intact as we see it in the video, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Trooper Michael Proctor had some time alone with that vehicle afterwards. Mm-hmm. And during the initial search, uh, by the Canton police, they come up with no, no taillights, no taillight fragments whatsoever. Uh, but when okay. the state police do it after, I don't know, six or eight inches of snow, they come up with it. You dig? That's a great point. Okay. So that's, everyone yeah. should realize that it was snowing heavily. They didn't see it at first. And then when the state trooper, okay. So then it's like, okay, this makes more sense. Michael Proctor, friends with the Alberts, gets wind of this. Possibly, I'm speculating, somebody makes some kind of call on signal or something protected and says, hey, you need to put this there because that could be our smoking gun to, you know, getting her convicted. Okay. All right. Right. Wow. And for me, that's a big leap. I mean, now it's planting evidence, but I can clearly see that light intact. Well, mostly intact. Maybe it's cracked, right? Mm. Because it got loosened up in that little accident. But it's either intact where I see it or it's on the lawn. Mm. It's binary. It's one or the other. Right, right. Um, hmm. Yeah, I I feel like, you know, just going back to to Turtle Boy with, with him in prison or jail, sorry, jail and him being silenced. And, you know, this girl coming forward and saying, I made it up because I was coerced to, like I said, at the beginning, this could be bigger than any of us even 
uh, imagine. Right. I mean, we this could be uh, like the biggest corruption. It's it's crazy to even think about that that they right. would do this. They would actually go to great lengths, and um, it's it's definitely out of a movie. <laughs> Welcome to the world of conspiracy theories, right? Mm. That's what they call us. Yeah. That's what they call us. Yeah. And guess what? Most of them are right. Most conspiracy theories. It is a conspiracy and it is a theory. Yeah. Right. But yeah, Mm -hmm. here we are. That light was intact. That light's intact on the video. If it's intact on the video, how's it on the lawn? Yeah. You know? No, this is this is this is a head scratcher here, and and I told you I I recently watched the Charles Stewart case on HBO, and it didn't right. make it didn't make Boston cops look great. It really it really didn't. And now and and it, and I know I said the Charles Stewart case happened a long time ago, eighties uh, nineties, but people are seeing it now because of HBO, because of this documentary. And it's like, this is just not going to look good for Massachusetts. Right. And I think what's going on now is the state police and the prosecutor's office, they can, they can lose this case at trial. They can't Mm -hmm. handle a corruption case. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen. I just don't know. Yeah, and you think that this this case, the the corruption case, it would be the the people involved. Uh, I think, as Turtle Boy says, the McAlberts or something like that. Um, the McAlberts, right. yeah. And then it would be uh, the DA Lally, right? He's he's been coming down right. really hard on him. And then obviously Michael Proctor, who should have never taken this case in the first place because he was connected. Exactly. That, exactly. I mean, so they would all go down. As far as Michael Proctor goes, I think I've said this on my last Karen Reed update uh, podcast. From my sources, what I hear that the Commonwealth is going to admit that Michael Proctor does know them, okay. does know the McAlberts, because there's no way out of it. Although they've already denied it. Because how can you prosecute a ca- case yeah. where the first thing out of your mouth are lies? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. it's that's unacceptable. And um, yeah, go ahead. There's actually video of Trooper Proctor dancing with Colin Albert and Colin Albert's family at a wedding. And it was earlier but it's pretty well established that they know each other. And again, in September, September, Lauren, yeah. Lauren um, there's videotape of the witnesses at Proctor's house, who also lives in Canton, Jen McCabe and another witness, their vehicles were caught on videotape and photographs outside of Proctor's house. So I think that must have made the prosecutors pull their hair out. I I feel like that right there in most states would be enough for uh, a mistrial. It would be enough for like a, an appeal. I mean that that's yeah. that's mental. That's like right. How, you would how think the Massachusetts allowed? Attorney General would step in, but nothing. Yeah, that's, nothing. That's when you know uh, something's about to go down, especially if the right. AG hasn't hasn't stepped in yet. Um, it's because right. they're they're scheming. They don't know how to clean this mess up because it makes everybody look bad. So right, everybody wants to stay away from this case now. Yeah, 
Totally. Um, and look, I, I've said this. Uh, Turtle Boy has done amazing work. Aiden is amazing. He is fearless. Um, they are trying to silence him. I will. I will absolutely say that. But his his harassment of of the McCabe's, um, you know, at the, at their kids' sports games, and the I, I did read that he uh, heckled the O'Keefe family outside of uh, the courthouse, which also broke my heart um, because that mother has lost two children. And and well, I don't I, think I, you I'm should- I'm not yeah. sure how accurate that is. Okay. But, um, you know, <laughs> it, there's a lot of different perspectives of people walking in and out of that courtroom and a lot of people yelling. I don't know how true that is, but- I yeah. take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, I mean, and and he is generally very ethical, but you can't like everyone in this case is innocent right now, right? Innocent until proven right. guilty. And um, you know, I everything points in, in my opinion, everything is pointing to a, a cover-up. And again, my opinion. Uh right. but he he could absolutely totally botch that by you know, witness tampering, quote unquote, or harassing. Right. Um, and and people should know that his merch is hilarious. The hoss long till justice. I love that. I'm like, right. oh my gosh, it's right. so good. It's brilliant. It's brilliant, but it's yeah. still, it's it's dangerous, a little dangerous. I think you're right. Yeah. So is there um is there anything else that you want to maybe add? Uh, here that people might not know about this case or um, that you think it's important to know? Right. Here in in Metro Boston, we're kind of um, overwhelmed with this information. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, as we spoke before, in terms of the taillight, there's also videotape from the Canton Library, which would have been the route that Mm -hmm. Karen took. The two minutes, there's two minutes missing which would have showed Karen's taillights. Inexplicably, it's cut from that video. Ooh. So there's that. There's also the post-event behavior by Brian Albert. He sold his house quickly after this, and it stated that he could have gotten more money if he had waited a little bit longer, so he took a a bit of a loss on the house. He got rid of his dog, Chloe, which is believed to have bitten John O'Keefe. If you see the autopsy photographs, there's bites on his arm that to me are clearly dog bites. It's been affirmed by a canine expert in the private sector, not involved in this court case. But he says, yes, those are dog bites. And if you look at them, there are parallel parallel lines on his arms, bites and scratches. And to me, that's just obvious. How does that happen with a car crash? And in the same vein, in terms of the body, they're claiming he was struck at between 17 and 24 miles an hour, Lauren. And I think we can all agree there'd be tremendous bruising on your body there is not the the wound is to the back of the head and if he had been struck in that area i believe his torso and maybe even his legs would be heavily bruised 
Right. And there is no bruising that I can see. Did they do an accident recon with a private team or was that with the Boston Police Department or Canton Department? Do you know? It would have been the state police and they did not, as far as I know. And the state police teach accident investigation throughout the Commonwealth. That is my belief that there was no accident investigation. And both the Canton police and the state police have accident investigators. There, I did read there was there was an accident recon, but I didn't. You're right. I didn't think that was through the police. I I believe it was through a, a private uh, investigation. Right. Which right. Which wow. I mean, I I I'm certain the state police has an accident recon team in house. That will be nothing to send them out there. Is that like? Am right. I right on that? Right, because the state police actually teach accident investigation to the local police departments. And um, and what happens, Lauren, I don't know if you're familiar, if a death occurs and the state police will come in in smaller towns like Canton yeah. and take over the investigation. So that's what happened. Canton was the original agency to investigate. Mm. State police come in shortly thereafter and take over the investigation. So how is it possible to determine, I mean, it took them basically four days. What were they doing in that four days? Just listening to the first responders say that Karen said, I must've hit him, I hit him, I hit him. And so they just took that and and didn't do an accident recon with where his, I mean, that's sloppy. That's, that's right. Ooh, that, that's that really is sloppy. my belief. That's what I believe happened here. And it's just inexplicable. And it's stacked on other inexplicable things as well. And regardless of how drunk you are, you would know if you hit a body. I'm sorry. That would be one thing to sober you the hell up is if you hit someone. So if you kind of look from the outside in, you want us to believe here that a woman with no criminal record, you know, she texts her boyfriend after mad that he didn't come home, um, is responsible for his death over a trained MMA fighter and cop inside when this guy is clearly beat up. So the MMA guy did not beat him up. No, 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 no. It's the woman with no criminal record. That's what they want right. us to believe. Like, what? It, and don't forget, only one Canton police officer went into the house at all who is a direct friend of the McAlberts. Yeah. Who's helped who's helped Chris Albert before and got suspended for it. That yeah. same officer. Um this is this is silly now. Yeah, this is just silly the more that comes out. And like I said, I'm still right. combing through everything. So um oh my gosh, but now I want to head up to Boston in March for the trial here because I'm just so interested in this. Right. Right. I'm hoping there won't be a trial. The It's been confirmed that the FBI has investigated. There's a federal grand jury. That has been confirmed by Fox 25, our local Fox affiliate. Yeah. And it appears that they're investigating police and prosecutorial, prosecutorial <laughs> corruption in this case. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. Well then I guess let's see, right? Let's, let's wait and see. Um, okay. Well, 
I might be tapping on you again, but Barry, where can people find you if they want to find you on social media? Just Google uh, Boston Confidential and everything will come right up. Okay, Boston. And I've I've put links out to your podcast, your uh, website in the show notes so people can find that. Um, Thank you so much. This has been great to go back and forth with you about this case. I really appreciate it. No problem, Lauren. And if you need anything else, just give me a buzz. Thank you so much. Okay, I know that was a lot for today. I threw a lot at you. I love Barry. I love his Boston accent. He's so cute and he's so nice. Um, But head to the show notes for some articles about the Reed O'Keefe case, Turtle Boys coverage, and Barry's podcast. So yeah, I'm still a little confused at why they would up her charge from manslaughter to murder. That seems crazy just based on hate text. I just feel like every wife and every girlfriend has, has their moment. So I don't think that she should uh, be charged with murder because of that. But yeah, um, I have a feeling we're going to be hearing a lot more on this case. So thank you for listening to Outlier. If you like this podcast, don't forget to rate or subscribe on Apple or wherever you listen. And um, I will be back next week for another episode. Thanks again for listening. I'm Lauren Conlin. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.